This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Ryder. Welcome to another special edition of It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. Daryl Ryder coming to you from Brown's training camp. Andy Baskin has this podcast off. He'll be joining us again later uh, in the week. Another special guest lined up for you. It is Joe Thomas Hall of Fame week. Uh, he is the first Hall of Famer in the expansion era for uh the expansion Browns. Uh, they're still the Cleveland Browns, but it still feels like that they are the expansion Browns. And joining me is the director of football communications for the Cleveland Browns. He co-authored a book called Joe Thomas, Not Your Average Joe, the authorized biography from Wisconsin to Cleveland to the Hall of Fame. He is Dan Murphy. Dan, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Daryl. Uh, let's uh, jump right into it. Uh, outside of Annie Thomas, I, I don't know that there's another person that knows Joe as well as you. You spent so much time with him uh, as a member of the Browns in his 11 seasons here, going all the way back to his rookie year. You came into the league with him, didn't you? Uh, I came in actually the year right after him. So my first year was 2008, so I didn't get to experience that 2007 10-6 uh, team, um, but got to hear all about it from Joe. And like you said, we overlapped. I mean, I'm going into my 16th season with the Browns now, and you know Joe was a big part of those teams every year, and he was, you know, pretty much one of the main constants. We came really close because, I mean, as you know, the record wasn't always the best for the team, which leads to turnover, which leads to new coaches, new players, new front office people, and you know, after a few years, Joe and I kind of joked around like, oh, we're the only ones still kind of here from those first couple years. Um, so we just kind of built a bond. We're around the same age, have similar sense of humor. Um, so we really bonded together, and it was great to work with him on putting this book together. What made him, you know, we know what he did on the field. Um, and the, one of the things that I always respected about him as someone who covered him was that no matter how bad things were, he always was the eternal optimist. Was he as optimistic behind the scenes as he was when we would be asking him about the latest starting quarterback that he had to block for or the newest head coach he had to play for? He really was. He was the eternal optimist. I mean, he is always in a good mood and always happy, and that's just who Joe is. And, I mean, that's what he presented to the media, and that's just who he is on and off the field. Yeah, there were times when he would get a little frustrated when 
you know, he's playing, you know, he's one of the best left tackles in the game and he plays and there were times he told me where he graded out a perfect game. The coaches gave him, you know, you either get a plus or a minus every play. He had a perfect game and the team still got blown out that game. And, you know, there was a little bit of frustration there, you know, more of a, what can, what more can I do? You know, he's, he's playing a perfect game, but you know, he understood it's a team game and he was doing everything he can every play to be there for his team. The fact that he's a first ballot hall of famer, playing for so many teams that did not have success, I think really speaks to the career that he was able to put together. Obviously, the two things stand out, 10 straight Pro Bowls and the fact that uh, he had 10,363 consecutive snaps, never missed a play until that final injury. Um, when if there was ever a guy that could bail at the end of the season and say, my knee hurts, my ankle hurts, I need to heal up and get ready for next year, it was Joe Thomas, and he never did. How is, is in a, you know, someone that worked with him behind the scenes, what was it like watching him go through those type of injuries and, and getting himself ready to play even when the playoffs were out of reach? Yeah, that's just who he was. He always wanted to be there for his team. That's why that number, 10,363, means so much to him. It represents that he was there for his team every play, every time he was available to. He didn't take any plays off. Um, we always joke, people say he didn't take any days off, but as you know, later in his career, he did take a few days off because he had to rest up his body to be able to get, get out there on Sundays. Um, but he did everything he could to be there for his team, no matter what. And in the book, there's a chapter that kind of details the snap streak, and this chapter is in Joe's own words. And he talks about how close he was to the streak ending multiple times, not because he was going to take a game off or, you know, just sit out or something like that. But, you know, there were a few times where um, a coach, we were actually beating the Pittsburgh Steelers one game, and the coach at the end of the game brought in his backup onto the field, Vincent Painter. And Joe looks at him and says, you know, get the heck out of here in, in a little more colorful language than that. Um, and he comes to the sideline. The coaches are very confused. Why did he, you know, why don't you come out? We, want, we don't want you to get hurt at the end of a game. And, Joe finally told him, "Hey, I have this snap streak going. I don't want to. I don't want to lose it in a game we're winning. I want to enjoy these wins because they they came pretty rare for Joe." Um, and there was another game where this one wasn't documented as much as that first uh, story I told. Uh, he actually got injured in the last game of the season. He hurt his knee while stretching, and still played the game. And afterwards, he did his MRI, and he would have had to miss you know several weeks if that was the case during the regular season. But lucky for him in the streak, it was actually the last game of the season, so he didn't have to miss any time yeah I mean that is uh, you're lucky I, I read the the Vincent Painter story and you're right he used much more colorful language um and it also kind of reiterates some of the disconnect though you know when you have the constant turnover that here that they did they didn't know that Joe Thomas had this incredible impressive streak uh rolling um, when when you work with Joe behind the scenes, because he did so many things in the community as well. I remember when he uh, first started out, and it, it is kind of ironic. You and I actually did start the same se same year together back in 2008. But I remember he did like uh, one of the first initiatives he did in the community was fishing. He he loved uh, you know getting young kids involved in fishing, and I remember going to the creeks and the ponds and stuff where he'd hold his events, uh, and his wife would be there. Um, Joe Thomas, the, 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 the person, though, and uh, his impact off the field, again, the resume, the, he didn't have to do any of those type of things. Um, how much work went in on your end helping him, you know, coordinate and achieve some of those personal philanthropic efforts? Yeah, and that was all genuine for Joe. He 
loves giving back and being a part of the community and doing what he can to help out. I mean, there were so many things. You mentioned the fishing trips. He had uh, so many, every year he had an annual shop with a pro event where you take underprivileged kids and get them Christmas gifts or get them school supplies. Uh, I remember Annie was a big, big advocate of that, of getting, helping teachers get school supplies because a lot of teachers have to buy those on their own and they didn't think that was right. Um, one thing about Joe is um, the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award is a big on-field and community of service award. It's one of the most prestigious awards the NFL gives out. One player gets it for each team every year. And Joe's the only person in Brown's history to win the award more than once, and he actually won it three times during his time. And that just kind of shows how engulfed he was in the community. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't just a show. It was he was genuinely out there. And, you know, there was a lot of stuff he did where he didn't want publicity for it too. Um, and that's just who he was. And he was a finalist for that award one year, if I remember correctly. Correct. He was one of the final three. Uh, the, back then, the NFL made three finalists. He was a finalist that last year, uh, that that year. But there was another year. Now, currently, they changed the rule, so now basically every player is considered a finalist. Uh, one of the more amusing stories in the book, and I remember this because Joe never got in trouble off the field. But up at his place in Wisconsin, there was some sort of conflict over permits and what he could and could not do. Uh, on his farm and uh, he talked about in the book just how taken aback he was by it because he's you know big into farming and nature and taking care of the environment and stuff like that and I think that is really the only time in his career where and I say this very very loosely where he got in trouble off the field yeah I wouldn't say that was wasn't too much trouble I mean I guess you asked the Wisconsin Department of Health maybe that's who it was but they environmental or something I don't yeah they they had said he had an improper permit for a bridge on his, you know, whatever it is, 50-acre farm that he has back in Wisconsin. And I don't know if the paperwork was lost, but they, so they, I remember, I remember talking to him about it in the morning because this was in the early days of Twitter back, back in the day, and seeing a story in there. So I went, I'm like, Joe, what's this all about? And he, he was a little confused as well. And then he's like, oh, I think I know. And so he's trying to figure it out. But then, you know, you, you media members come in, and obviously you need to ask me about it. So he's, he's all, you know, he's like you know, am I going to get in trouble? What, what do I say? What do I do? You know, like, like Joe, just, just be honest. There was a little mix up with the paperwork, you know, whatever it is. Like, obviously you're not uh, destroying the environment. That's not who you are. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Dan Murphy joining me, he is the director of football communications for the Cleveland Browns. And again, he uh, co-authored a book with uh, Mark Bona uh, and uh, also includes uh, many words from Joe Thomas. Joe Thomas, not your average Joe, the authorized biography from Wisconsin to Cleveland to the Hall of Fame. More with Dan after this. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got 
you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Welcome back to It's Always Game Day in Cleveland. Daryl Ryder joined by... Dan Murphy, the co-author of Joe Thomas, Not Your Average Joe, the authorized biography from Wisconsin to Cleveland to the Hall of Fame as we uh, talk about Joe's Hall of Fame career with the Cleveland Browns, both on as well as off the field, and the book itself. Um, it's uh, bro- You broke it down into three parts, Dan. Uh, growing up, his time uh, w- at Wisconsin, and then the part that I couldn't wait to read, and that was the, the Browns part for obvious reasons. But um, uh, I want to start here. Uh, the thing that I learned about him uh, in the book is, as a kid, he loved breaking glass. <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, it was interesting, you know, doing interviews with his friends and family growing up and, you know, hearing stories about what he was like as a kid, because I only knew him, you know, as a young adult when he came here. We were both in our early 20s when we met. Um, but, I mean, typical kid, you know, but he was a much bigger kid, so he uh, did some roughhousing with some of the neighborhood uh, kids when they were wrestling and, uh, he uh, caused some broken glass and some broken bones for some neighbors when he was just, just playing just because he was so much bigger. I, I, one of the other things that he uh, mentioned in the book is uh, how he learned not to talk, just to do. And that was, Joe, in a nutshell, when we would speak with him. Aside from, as a, as a rookie, when he talked about his aspirations, I forget who he did the interview with, but he had mentioned, you know, sure, I'd like to be in the Hall of Fame one day. But that was really as uh, boisterous as he got as a player. I mean, he just was the, the ultimate blue collar, put your pads on, your helmet, and go to work each and, and every day. Uh, but that part really resonated with me, the learning how just to not talk, just go out there and, and do your job. And I'm guessing as somebody who worked with him, to deal with people like me, that had to make your life real easy. <laughs> yeah, Joe was great to work with, especially from that standpoint. Um, I mean, I knew whenever he was doing an interview, there nothing, nothing controversial would come up because that's just who Joe is. Yeah, Joe's lack of controversy, I have to tell you, uh, really made life difficult on people like me because we deal in quotes. And he was a, he was a great quote machine. Uh, there were weeks where I would go to him on Monday. Talk to him again on Wednesday. Talk to him on Thursday. Talk to him again. I mean, he would be sick of seeing me by the end of the week, but he always made himself available. Uh, and, that, and that's got to be one of the hardest things to do when there's not a lot of positivity to talk about. Yeah, he was always there. He was always accountable, you know, win, lose, or draw. He was always at his locker. And that's why he endeared himself with so many of the media members, too. Just he was always there, and he was always, you know, friendly and laughing. And, you know, like you said, he wouldn't, might not always give a – you know, boisterous quote, but he would be there for his team. And uh, he talks about this in the book a little bit. There's a chapter about the mind of an offensive lineman. And he kind of details that, you know, as an offensive lineman, it's, it's not about you. It's about the quarterback. It's always about the receivers, you know, 
basically he says the only time your name is mentioned as a lineman is when something bad happens you know a holding call or you jump off sides and that's typically how it was back when he was playing now i think offensive linemen get a little more credit but uh they weren't really talked about as much so he didn't really want to talk about himself that's just kind of who he was i think he was charged with 37 sacks 36 37 sacks in 10,363 <laughs> that is just beyond astounding to me yeah, I mean he's probably the best left tackle of all time. <laughs> I, I just when when I when I, when I think about that, uh, I I just I can't I, I just I can't fathom, uh, you know, playing at that level each and every snap. Number one, number two, doing it while you're hurt at times. Uh, now, as a kid, he was a multi-sport athlete. Uh, he was a uh, uh, you know a track star. Uh, he played basketball. He played baseball ultimately football became his calling talk to me a little bit just about because you talked to a lot of people that he grew up with how how what was it like just trying to chase all those folks down and and kind of get some of those intimate details from his childhood to really kind of paint that picture of what really made joe thomas joe thomas yeah it was great and the one thing i'll say about joe i've never met anyone who has met joe that doesn't like joe so people were very excited to sit down and tell their stories about Joe because he just has that way, just whenever he meets anyone, just makes them feel good about themselves, makes you feel good about him. Um, and you, ne you never have a bad interaction when you're with him just because he's always positive, always happy. Uh, one of the stories that I thought was the most compelling was he was a really good shot putter. And he also threw the shot put at Wisconsin. And there's some coaches that said if he would have really focused on the shot put instead of football, they think he could have been an Olympic shot putter. That's how good he was at all the different sports he played. Yeah, and they thought he could play baseball. They thought he played basketball. He had the bill for it. Actually, one of the pieces of glass he broke was he shattered a backboard, and then the coach decided to mess with him and make him believe that he was going to have to replace the backboard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, luckily, he didn't have to, but uh, that, that is uh, one of many stories that is in this book that Dan and Mark Bona co-authored along with Joe Thomas uh, talking about uh, his childhood. Again, broken down into three parts, him growing up, uh, his tenure with the, the, the Wisconsin Badgers, and then, of course, how he ended up with the Cleveland Browns. More with Dan Murphy after this. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's always game day in Cleveland. Daryl Ryder joined by the great Dan Murphy, director of football communications for the Cleveland Browns and co-author of Joe Thomas, Not Your Average Joe, the authorized biography from Wisconsin to Cleveland to the Hall of Fame. I, I got to say, Dan, I'm not surprised Joe let you write this, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised you were able to write this. <laughs> uh, this was actually something Joe approached me about while he was still playing, to be honest. 
he asked if I would ever be interested in helping write a book about him because for him, he has four children and they were all very young when he was playing. And actually his youngest wasn't even born yet when he retired. Um, so they have very, very few memories of being at the stadium. Joe always tells a story about, he just remembers his oldest, Logan. Her only memory is eating peanuts on the floor of the suite while he was playing. So she doesn't remember him playing. You know, she was just so young. And, you know, he mentioned to me he'd like to have something just, you know, that he could give his kids when they get older to kind of understand, you know, not to brag, but like, you know, understand who he is, you know, his story growing up. And basically, you know, the, the, the Joe Thomas, the, the authorized biography. Yeah, um, the, the reason everyone wants his autograph or wants to take a picture with him or want, wearing his jersey everywhere, stuff like that. I mean, that yeah, I mean, that's just completely understandable. Exactly. All his kids are, I mean, all under 10 years old right now. And, you know, they don't really fully understand their dad is, you know, the best Cleveland Browns, or the, the greatest left tackle in NFL history. So he just said, I'd like to have something, you know, kind of that I could give them when they get older that they could read and kind of understand my career and understand, you know, some of the things that they didn't get to experience so they can kind of experience some of those things with me. That's why a lot of these chapters, um, all the chapters during the Browns time are actually in Joe's own words. So he kind of chronicles and goes through some of the stories, and he just wanted to be able to share his story with his kids, and that's that's kind of how the idea started. One of the more impressive things, the, the chapter on the quarterbacks, um, where he – to his credit, he found something nice to say about each and every one of the quarterbacks that he blocked for. I don't think anybody has blocked for more quarterbacks in their careers with the same team than Joe Thomas has. And he just went step by step through every single guy has a photographic memory, doesn't he? <laughs> well, to be honest, I had a list and we went through the list with him. We didn't we didn't just go off the cuff on that one. Um, you know that was my running gag with him, right? Like I, uh, since his retirement, I was. Have you? Are you able to name the quarterbacks yet? Have you got? <laughs> have you memorized all them yet? And then he just gives me the uh, Daryl. Go have a nice day. Look. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it actually it is a league record. It, he blocked for twenty different starting quarterbacks, and we looked it up with the league. We looked went through the Elias Sports Bureau, and they said the next highest guy I think had 18 and that guy played for seven different teams. So every year he, he's bouncing around. So that makes sense. But the fact that Joe had 20 different starting quarterbacks during his seasons with one team with the Cleveland Browns is just, it's astonishing. So he, in that chapter, he goes through and talks about, it's not just the 20 starting quarterbacks. He talks about all the quarterbacks that kind of took snaps. Like Charlie Whitehurst came in a game. He didn't actually, he's never on that Jersey. He didn't start the game, um, but he, he played under center. Same with Josh Johnson. And then same with uh, like Terrell Pryor and Josh Cribbs, who came in and they were college quarterbacks that were NFL wide receivers, but also took a lot of snaps under center during their time with the Browns. Yeah, no, no story encapsulates Joe Thomas's time with the Cleveland Browns more than him introducing himself late fourth quarter, final four minutes in Pittsburgh. They're getting their noses rubbed in it again. And he just Josh Johnson, who is, I think, signed on Wednesday, literally comes into the huddle and Joe looks at him and. You know, I don't think Josh knew where he was. Or where he, and he said, hey, I'm Joe Thomas. I'll be your left tackle today. I, I, I mean, just nothing. And then that just kind of loosened everything up. Now, I think Josh Johnson got decapitated like two players later. But, like, that story in and of itself just, like, encapsulated his personality, the ultimate team guy, the ultimate uh, guy that's just willing to provide levity when, quite frankly, there was no levity to be had. Right, exactly. And that the play before that, our starting quarterback, I think it was Thad Lewis at the time, had just gotten hurt. So they're, you know, wondering who, you know, this new guy who just got signed coming in, who is this guy, what's going on? And, you know, so Joe just in front of the huddle, hey, hey, I'm Joe Thomas, I'm your left tackle. And, you know, everybody kind of laughed and it lightened the mood. And, 
got everyone back on track to get ready for football instead of worrying like, oh, you know, is, is that going to be okay? Like you said, brought some levity to the situation. And like you said, that, that's just who Joe is. Yeah, and, you know, the Browns weren't very good in the draft over Joe's career, but they were really good at drafting offensive linemen. They drafted Alex Mack. Uh, they, they uh, you know, Eric Steinbach, they brought him in uh, to, to play next to Joe. Uh, but they drafted Joel Batonio, who I think is on uh, the trajectory if he stays on the course uh, he's at. I think he could be in consideration, although because he's a guard, it might be a little tougher for him. But um, he does talk a lot about those offensive linemen because they spent a lot, not only in the trenches, but just off the field, in the meeting rooms. Like that, they were a family. Um, and Alex uh, would have done his induction for him, but he ultimately chose his family. But um, uh, just if you could, the relationships that he had uh, with those linemen and what guys like Alex Mack and Eric Steinbach and Joel Batonio ultimately ended up meaning to him. Yeah, I mean, they, those linemen, they, all, they always stick together, and that's not cliche. You hear it all the time, but it's true. They're, they're, they're together on the field where you know the rest of the team's doing seven on seven they're off in their own kind of corner working on one-on-one pass drills and you know they just they they work together they work out together their families are friends um and they just they be they develop a tight bond and uh there's actually a chapter in the book you talked about the, the offensive lineman that he played with and he called this one the best offensive line he ever played with and it was uh joel batonio alex mack john greco and mitchell schwartz and we actually talked to each of those guys in those chapters. There's excerpts in those guys' words on why they were the best offensive line and how they all gelled together and what it was like playing next to someone like Joe. And because, you know, when you have someone out there who's hurt and, you know, given their all and is still, you know, 10,363 snaps and he's always there, it, it makes you, you know, think, oh, I'm not coming out either. Um, that's kind of, you know, you, you can see that nowadays with Joel Batonio. He has not missed many offensive snaps. He got injured his second year, but I don't think he's missed any since then. And just, you know, coming up and being able to play against those guys, play with Joe has rubbed off on all those guys. And if you look and you count, like, the Pro Bowls and the All-Pros between Joe and Alex and Joel and Mitchell Schwartz even, um, I know he took some flack here in Cleveland, but when he left, he several All-Pros with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I think he won a Super Bowl or two maybe there. Um, but, you know, he developed into another great player. And John Greco, uh, he might not have got the accolades, but every person that I talked to, they all said he was just so underrated. Um, but he, he deserved all those accolades, too, like everybody else. How excited, nervous, butterflies do you have for this weekend? Is it almost like you're going into the Hall of Fame with him, too? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. But I, I'm, I'm very excited for him uh, and Annie and the kids and the family. Um, I actually, he asked me to help him with his speech, so I'm, I'm excited to – to hear the speech, um, I think Cleveland fans are going to love it. It's exactly what you'd expect from Joe. Um, you know, it's, it's lighthearted. It's personal. I, if you don't know Joe, Joe's also a very emotional guy, so I expect him to be pretty emotional up on the stage at certain points. Um, and, you know, he's going to talk about his love for Cleveland and his love for Cleveland Browns fans. And I mean, it's all genuine. Yeah, Browns uh, fans will be taking over Canton, Ohio this week. Of course, the Hall of Fame game is uh, Thursday night, Browns and Jets, in which nobody of importance for the Cleveland Browns will be on the field. Uh, Then the induction, of course, will take place Saturday, and Joe Thomas is expected to speak last. They're saving the best for last, and uh, it should be a a very, very uh, fun time. Dan, tell folks where they can get this outstanding book. Uh, Joe Thomas, Not Your Average Joe, the authorized biography, 
It is available in all Northeast Ohio bookstores, Amazon, and also at joethomasbook.com. And I think I saw on Amazon it is uh, one of the best sellers right now, isn't it? I actually found that from Joe. He took a screenshot and he sent it to me, so uh, that was pretty exciting. As it should be. Dan Murphy, thanks so much for the time. Best of luck with the book. Enjoy the Hall of Fame festivities this weekend. And uh, as I like to say, see you in Canton. Thanks, Daryl. All right, the great Dan Murphy, Director of Football Communications for the Cleveland Browns, again, the co-author of Joe Thomas, Not Your Average Joe, the authorized biography from Wisconsin to Cleveland, and now to the Hall of Fame. For outstanding producer Meredith Kane, Daryl Ryder, saying so long. We'll talk to you next time on It's Always Game Day in Cleveland.